Hey everybody, welcome to the Lando Lakers podcast. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky coming to you Sunday night. Andy, the Lakers are in the finals and they have a finals opponent. It's the Lakers versus the Heat in a series that is just a gigantic troll to the traveling media because it's going to be held in a bubble in Orlando. Yeah, this is actually the fantasy matchup that, you know, going back to when the Heatles were formed in 2000. 10 for the 2011 season when everyone was expecting the Lakers to get back to the finals for the fourth straight season. And we are going to get the first of the many promised clashes in the finals between Kobe and LeBron that ultimately we never got. One of the big attractions for that beyond just the juiciness of those two franchises going up against each other was, holy shit. What a great travel schedule. Here we go. What, Miami, what do, great do, locales. LA, do, 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 do. Let's do this. Here we go. Like everybody and their uncle wanted to be part of the traveling circus there. Uh, and, you know, it's much different when it's, you know, a hypothetical Sacramento versus Milwaukee final. <laughs> like, you just, Boy, that's I think really, I'll spit this one out. You know, we're not that, doing it. By the that. way, is too hypothetical to ever happen. Sacramento's never going to happen. Yeah, it's not, not sure. happening. Um, so it, it is a is a bummer uh, on a lot of levels for uh, the the media, um, and it's it also is a bummer, a bummer the by player. the way. It's also a bummer by the way for all the members of the Miami Heat or the Lakers who can't in between games enjoy yes. some delicious pizza. Um, sponsor of the Lando Lakers podcast, two locations: West Adams, which would be very close to Staples Center uh, during the times when the games would be in L.A. Also Hollywood, twenty percent off. If you use the password Cam Brothers for your order, awesome pizza, awesome food, support local business, and you support the local business of a massive, massive Laker fan. Absolutely. So, the, you know, obviously there's there's the there's a lot to talk about, and you know, the 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 fact the Lakers haven't been there for ten years, which. Um, you know, I, I think we can all agree as Americans that our long national nightmare is over. Um, you know, the, I think the basketball community has really been pulling for the Lakers to finally make it back to the final. We believe Lakers. Yes. The, the, you know, the Lakers are the scrappy little team that nobody gave a chance. And I, I mean, we make the jokes and all that kind of stuff, but I will say under normal circumstances, Nobody wants the Lakers to be in the finals other than like Lakers fans and like, you know, the NBA and like, you know, the, people love dynasties, but like hardcore basketball fans who aren't from out here or don't love the Lakers. I, I don't know if they relish the idea of the Lakers being back under normal circumstances, but I think even those, those fans and those people can appreciate what this team, specifically this team, what it means for this group to have reached a finals with a chance to win when you go through everything that this team has been through um it, it is it, it's a remarkable achievement that they're that they're there um and i think they're actually a team that even lakers i don't say lakers haters but like lakers agnostic fans can get behind like it's well, a hard I mean, to hate well, they're a very likable team. We've talked about this a lot over the course of this season covering them. They're a very enjoyable team to be around. They really like each other. They're, it's fun to watch them interact. And 
you know, I'm not going to say that there are no egos because these are professional athletes and these guys earn the ego that they have. Nobody's ever going to accuse LeBron James of not having an ego. And fuck, if I were him, I'd have an ego too. Uh-huh. But it's a pretty ego-free locker room in terms of ego that can be defined destructively. Also, too, it really helps that with these playoffs, you know, the Clippers, I think, became viewed as the much more dislikable team. Much, the, like, you know, like in in a rocket in a prima donna kind of way. Like, yeah, I, I think not the Clippers, a long, not you're cheering for laundry or against laundry, but like in like those guys just are off-putting. Like the right. Clippers became that team. You're exactly right. The Clippers became that team. I think the Rockets became that team. The Lakers have not given you any reason to dislike them other than just if you don't like them because of decades worth of built up Lakers exceptionalism, which by the way, I can understand if that's put some non-Laker fans off the wrong way, but this year's team's been very likable also too, you know, with everything that they've gone through, obviously the, the largest issue was the death of Kobe and it's exactly 10 or not exactly because of the NBA schedule getting, you know, but you, I mean, it's 10 seasons. It's 10 years since the Lakers last won a championship and that was Kobe's fifth. So, you know, and, and these guys have been very outwardly, you know, and very emotionally, very sincerely looking to win this championship for Kobe and to really honor Kobe's memory and his legacy and everything that he they're, meant. They're to really being driven by it in a lot of ways. Well, they, they are. I mean, yeah. they, they've, they've made a real point of it. You know, everybody from Frank Vogel down has been talking very, very openly about what Kobe has meant to this playoff run. And that's something that I think also makes the Lakers very atypically sympathetic to fan bases that aren't Laker fans. You know, and it's funny too, and I, I'm not yeah, we do this every year with the Dodgers. Like this is the they just Andy, they feel like a team of destiny. Like every when the Dodgers roll in because they've won 193 games in an 162 game season, they're 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 a team of destiny. They're just too good this year not to do it when they have like some great late season run where they put it together after tough circumstances. They feel like a team of destiny and they have not since 1988 apparently been an actual team of destiny. If the destiny is to win a world series, I am not a believer in this kind of framing of, of stuff because every, every fan base looks at their team. Like I have not followed Miami super closely this year. I watch games when I can, and I've been watching since the bubble and the playoffs and all that. They're really impressive. I know they're really good. I've seen that much, but I'm sure they've they've had storylines and this and that, whatever, that make their fans feel like their team is a team of destiny in a lot of ways. You know, like they were, uh, you know, what were they? Four? There were four coming in. Five. Five. Right. And so, like, you know, they they had the longest odds of it, certainly of any team that was left in the final four. Um, coming you know all that stuff and like cinderella seems like a strong word to me but they weren't favored to make a finals whereas the lakers had better odds i'm sure they think the same when i look at the lakers though when i think other people look at the lakers it really does feel like that a little bit more when you start talking about the way the things line up after the death of kobe and some of the the weird you know the numbers that people have pointed out and popped up and the anniversaries of things and it, it it does feel a little bit like there's something that is just sort of driving the team. And then beyond that, if you don't believe in those things and if you need a fallback position, 
they have the two best players in, in the playoffs um, and have had. The well, I mean, that can create a lot of destiny. Right. And that's part of it. It's like, so if you don't believe in it, you've got Anthony Davis and LeBron James. If you do believe in it, you've got the team of destiny thing and LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So either way, you're pretty well set. Yeah. And I mean, and, and the Lakers closed out Denver um, over the, over the weekend. And, you know, it was Denver, by the way, I mean, we were talking before about the Clippers becoming heels over the course of this playoff run. I mean, can you imagine the Clippers if they had Denver's heart? Because man, I mean, everybody, I think walked away from the Nuggets just respecting the hell out of them. Yeah. And they should be respected because I mean, five games, you know, obviously that's not a long drawn out series, but they really pushed the Lakers. I th- like, they, they, did. Made the La- they made the Lakers work. They got rid of them in five says more about the Lakers than it does about the Nuggets. Right. And, and so my point being in getting into the way the Lakers played over the course of this series, Denver was, I think without question, the toughest opponent that they had. And we saw, you know, game five, for example, the way LeBron closed out because there had been this, I think, legitimate commentary about how over the course of the series, even though LeBron had been playing well and he he averaged almost a triple-double for the course of the Western Conference Finals, he had been relatively quiet down the stretch of games, at least statistically and certainly with scoring. You know, he wasn't doing a lot of fourth-quarter scoring. I thought at times that he's looked kind of tired in in second halves of these games. But then in game four down the stretch, he, he guards Jamal Murray and does a really good job slowing mm-hmm. him over the last four or five minutes. And then in game five, the closeout, 16 points in the fourth quarter. I believe he scored nine straight. You know, he he was hitting from outside. He was hitting shots, you know, at mid-range, the rim. And he, he talked about afterwards his closeout mindset is just I'm I'm reading from uh reading from the quotes afterwards. I'm just as desperate as the team that we're trying to close yeah. out. I don't want to play another game. That I, I, inter- I texted you during the yeah. I, I at the beginning, you know, whatever, five minutes into the fourth quarter. I said LeBron is is telling game six to F off. Like he has zero interest in playing a game six. And it was very obvious. And you saw what that meant. He was phenomenal. And I just, I, 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 we've talked about, I don't want to dwell on this because we talked about it a lot, you know, over the course of, particularly in the framing of AD, who I know we're going to talk to a little about a little bit. I love that these guys are playing well. I love that they beat, I love that they beat a Denver team. Foul trouble kept Jokic, I think, from being as good as he needed to be, obviously. They, they weren't going to win with him with playing 30, whatever. But the Lakers also got him into foul trouble. Correct. (laughs) And, you know, he he was earlier in the series. He had some really great games, and Jamal Murray was until he just kind of ran out of g- gas there in Game Five. Well, he also ran out of knee, right? Uh, and his he, leg was clearly bothering him. You know, he was amazing, and you know, Jeremy Grant stepping up, and you just these guys kind of all over the place. It, it's been a that was a series of achievement. That was not a series of guys laying down or or choking or. You know, not coming no, through. No, and the, the team that laid down against the Lakers was the Rockets. We saw that in the previous se- uh, the previous series. Which again, you want to talk about? Yeah, they they, they started writing on the wall and folded up at the end of the series. I mean, they were the, the games at the beginning were closer than I sure. think. Been, but by the end of the series, Houston was like, "Yeah, we're done." 
Right. And Denver never, never yeah. did that. I mean, I, I just, I know we said it, but I, I just have a ton of respect for the way they played. I, I think it's important to recognize too, like the, the Lakers have done this in 15 games. Lakers have played 15 playoff games. They went five, five, and five. And argue if you want, you know, that Portland's not a great team. Well, they're, they're not. They're, they're a good eight seed, but they're not a great team. Lakers took care of them pretty quickly and pretty easily. You know, Houston presents its own problems. And I think by the end of it, saw the writing on the wall, like you say, and that was basically done. They rolled through them in five. Denver is, a, is the best team that they played by far. Uh, most competitive, the most spirited. They rolled through them in five. And I know those games were close, and I know it could have been just as easily 2-1 Denver as it was 2-1 Lakers because of the Anthony Davis shot and all that, but it wasn't. He hit the shot, and they they won that series in five. It, you get through three playoff series in a good conference in five games, you're playing really well. And I think that's it, it that's that's where they are right now. And I, you know, the two best teams in the playoffs really have made it through. I mean, Miami swept the opening round. Um, what did they do in the second? That was the seven game series, right? Did they play one that was seven? No, I'm thinking of Boston. Boston played a seven game series. Right. I, I want to say Miami. Miami whipped up on Milwaukee. Yeah, How did I forget that. Yeah. Um, and then they beat a good Boston team in six. Like the two, the teams that have played the best in the playoffs are in the finals, which is what you would want and what you would expect. These are two teams that have rolled through good teams relatively easy by playoff standards. So um, it should be a fun final. So I know we're going to talk about the, you know, the, the matchup specifically here uh, in, in a little bit, but um, I'm excited to see it. Cause I just, I think Miami, it's not a Cinderella E in the sense that they're pulling off these like miracle ups. So like if Denver had come back from three, one against the Lakers, you feel more another Cinderella chapter. Miami's been beating the shit out of people. Yeah. They've been, they've been really, Really good. I mean, you mentioned the Lakers playing really well. And like, you know, Anthony Davis over the course of over the course of the Denver series averaged 31 points on 54% shooting, almost 91% from the line. And he got to the line, got to the line 11 times per game over the playoffs, averaging 29, basically 29, nine, almost four assists, a block and a steal. 57% from the field, almost 37 from behind the arc. And in it's interesting because you know there's this, this there's been this discussion about whether Anthony Davis is the best teammate LeBron's ever had. And, and to me, that really comes down to whether you think Anthony Davis, this version of him, is better than 2011 Dwayne Wade. Because right, you know, Chris Chris Bosch is was a great player. But I don't think is as good as Anthony Davis. Anthony, at least Anthony now, Anthony Davis is in a lot of ways what Chris Bosh would be if he were ten percent better, right? Or, or I whatever. guess maybe had been had been the second option, I suppose. But so either way, you know I'm getting at. like yes. AD is an even more evolved. Like yes. to use my my kids and their Pokemon language, um, you know, Anthony Davis is like the evolution of Chris Bosh, even. Yeah, and and I don't think there's even a contest I like between how you're sort of accepting the Pokemon metaphor and I I don't <laughs> understand it. I don't understand it well enough to <laughs> exactly. even argue it. <laughs> like, nor do I understand. <laughs> exactly. I don't understand it well enough to add anything. I don't have it understand it well enough <laughs> to argue. I'm just and I love my nephews, so I'm just going to keep it moving. 
Like mm -hmm. I, I, there's nothing for me. That, by the way, is exactly how I handle it when they talk to me about Pokemon. Like that no, is great. It, Let's yeah. keep talking. Exactly. Keep I mean, my, there's a lot, I mean, you know, my daughter, you know, this she's, she's an anime freak right now. She just absolutely loves everything anime. She's watching like five different series and I try to watch some of them with her and she, all these characters, I can't keep track of which one is in which show, what their names are, whatever. But she tells me about it very enthusiastically, and I react enthusiastically, and I carry on the conversations, even though I don't really know what I'm talking about. But anyway, with, with Wade, though, like that two, that 2011 Wade was pretty damn good. Right. Um, I, I was also going to say Ky I, Kyrie's not even in this conversation. Kyrie's not in the conversation. Kevin Love's not in the conversation. Right. They're good players, so not in the conversation. Right. 2011 Dwayne Wade was pretty damn good. You know, he was second all NBA first that year for guards were Kobe and MVP Derrick Rose averaged 25, six and four, nearly two steals and a block was seventh in MVP voting. AD was six this year. He was peak. He was the peak at the peak of for a guy that was, is generally considered at worst, the second or third best shooting guard of all right. time. But what I'm going to say is, regardless of whether you think Wade or AD is "quote unquote" better, and and some of that is just going to be subjective or contextual, whatever. I think it is safe to say, and and I think pretty hard to argue against. Anthony Davis is the best complimentary teammate LeBron has ever had. You and mean like it's in, in terms of fit. And, in terms and, of and fit, in, ter in, in terms of high-level fit, and it's not even – it's like Kobe and Powell, but with less periodic tension. Like, they're just – they are perfect together, LeBron and Anthony Davis. And it's very fortunate, as LeBron told us after game six, that he brought Anthony Davis here. Yes. Um, and, what you know, it's – and we made this point, you know, in one of the shows. Like, LeBron both – si both sides of that – pairing are if you consider lebron and ad to be lebron one eighty two, and you know the way ad you you read the numbers you can argue that in the playoffs um but let's for the sake of conversation kobe one pow two kobe's better lebron's better lebron overall is better i mean it, i don't think that's i don't think that's a wildly controversial opinion even to have anymore even in la you know, if you're going to draft one guy and you could pick one guy, most people, I think at this point, would pick LeBron before Kobe. Anthony Davis is is better than Powell. Yes. Like, you know, peak Anthony Davis is better than peak Powell. Yeah, that, Powell, that's Powell, not you know, you know how I feel about Powell Gasol. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's you, not really debatable. You feel about um, him the way I feel about him. Right. It, that's not a really even, I think, a, 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 again, not a controversial point. So you're taking that that combination where the fit is good and mentally they work well together in terms of on court and, and elevating it to a place where both guys are capable of being better than, than the comp. And when you think about it like that, it's not at all surprising that these guys are in the finals together. And it makes you, it makes you optimistic. I think if you're a Lakers fan to think that, okay, you could get another year out of this, another two years out of this, because Anthony Davis still has room to elevate, even if LeBron slows down a little bit. And God knows next year is going to be next year could be equally strange as this one. Um, you got to get through this season before you find out. But if LeBron, let's say LeBron deteriorates, you know, slips 
5% a year, whatever it might be over the next two or three. Davis can fill that, that space. And so there is, it's not just this season that makes that pairing that you're talking about so good and optimistic and, and, and all that. It's that it, they could get another couple of years out of this. Yeah, I mean, especially the way AD over you know over the course of this year, and then especially in these playoffs, has really grown comfortable asserting himself. And you know, I mean, he's yep. he's been their number one scorer, you know, and and LeBron very clearly has no issue with it. And there, and there will be times where LeBron, like we saw in Game Five against Denver, he becomes the fourth quarter scorer, he becomes the closer. Like he's still going to be putting up points, but. It would not shock me at all if AD in the finals averages more points than LeBron in the way we've seen it over the course yep. of these playoffs. Wouldn't be surprising at all. And next season, I imagine that AD is going to average more points than LeBron in, in a more significant way. Like right. this, year I, yeah. were, and, and, and this year, they're basically see, even. We'll see LeBron take the regular season, not off, but like, you know, not a, not a, not be as aggressive in the regular season. Have to conserve for the playoffs and all that, and even within the playoffs, sort of modulate. And so instead of you'll get more, instead of getting the thirty-five point games, which still pop up sometimes, you'll get more fourteen or fifteen assist games from LeBron, who will the, the stuff that he's good at ages really well. Yeah, he's always going to be incredibly physically difficult to handle. And so even if you can't break guy, down guys one-on-one, -on -one, he's going to be even more assertive and more understanding of finishing on the break and pushing and stuff like that. He's and so good in the post. Up. He's so, I was going to say, he is so good in the post that as much as this team flourishes when they run and specifically when LeBron is the one pushing, if they just get up court quickly and then end up getting into some kind of half-court set, I know it's not always their strength, but when it's operating from LeBron in the post, that specifically, they're still really, really effective just, with that. He's so. I mean, it's it's been it's it's fun to watch. Excellence. I mean, it just is. Like you know, when you uh, people were, were, I didn't catch all of the game, but I saw little bits and pieces of the Sunday night game with like Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. Like I, some of the stuff that like Rodgers was doing in this game, you're like, God. Damn, that's impressive. Like some of the throws and this and that. You watch LeBron, and you know, it was, it was, there was a, I forget which pass it was. They're all the same, but like it's a cross court pass outside the, you know, the, uh, when he's standing at the elbow, the, the far elbow to, I think it was Markeith Morris on, on, you know, on the wing. And you're just like, it's, it's, it's a skip pass over like three people and it's hits Morris exactly where he would want the ball. He doesn't have to move his hands an inch in either direction and all that, and he goes up and he makes a shot. Every single pass LeBron makes is basically that one. The ones that stick out are the ones where KCP has to move his hands four inches to catch a pass. You're like, oh, that was weird. Like the precision and the skill with which LeBron does stuff. And then you start seeing what Anthony Davis was doing you know, out of the the mid post, uh, sorry, the you know mid-range game and the ability to hit the three and do all that stuff with confidence and what makes I think this Lakers team, you know, favorite again in the final? I haven't seen an early line, but I'm sure they're favored, um, and rightly, is that you have LeBron, you have AD, and you have a defense 
that shows up. And there's there's zero reason to believe that Miami isn't going to scheme and do stuff to slow down those guys and make it hard for the Lakers and make them work in the half court and all of that stuff. Eric Spolster might be the best coach in the league. Um, I, I, I think that. But there's also no reason to, to believe the Lakers defensively won't be able to weather that stuff. And if you can be really elite on that end of the floor and you have the two best players, I you, you're going to win. I, I really believe that. Yeah, it also helps too that uh, I thought in, in this series against Denver, by and large, the supporting cast played really well. They they had yep. a lot of guys showing up. You know, Alex Caruso had a brilliant game five. You know, eleven mm-hmm. points, four assists. Uh, I think a block what and a was steal. Everywhere, he everywhere, was everywhere defensively. You know, w- once Dwight, you know, stopped acting like you know Mark Madsen is a serial killer, just acting like this crazed goon trying to. He be was auditioning. He felt like he was auditioning for Raw. Yeah, you know, it was just for, bizarre. For WWE. Yeah, he he. It's like he discovered this thing in game one, being able to get under Jokic's skin, and then wanted to be like a WWE heel, and he almost played himself out of effect in this. But then he got back into it, and games four and five was very good. He shot seventy nine percent from yes. the field in that series. But I mean, um, he shot like seventy percent from the field from the in this during yeah. the season. Um, you know, I thought it was a very good series for KCP. Um, he he averaged like 11 points, uh, over 50% from the field, and 40. I think it was 44% from behind the arc. Um, Markeith Morris didn't take a lot of shots, but hit the ones that he took. And by and large, I, th- I thought just filled in the spaces nicely. You know, there, other than Kuzma, who I thought kind of struggled in this series. Really bad game five. Yeah, he he. I thought got worse as the series went along. You know, other other than him, I mean, even like, you know, Danny Green's numbers go up and down, but he's so sound defensively and he's so yeah. smart. And, you know, there's a reason that his plus minus still remains high and his net rating and all that when he's not producing, because on the other side of the ball, he just does everything so well. And then, you know, he'll have these timely offensive rebounds. Right, or, you know, like, it's it, it's cliche, but it's they're winning basketball plays and all that. But like at this point. If Danny Green's erratic performance as a shooter was hurting them that bad, because it's really all he offers them offensively, most of a game is you know taking and making three pointers. If that were really hurting them, it would show up by now. Yeah, and it's and it's no, and, and he's, it's the opposite. And, and Rondo, Rondo played well by and large. I mean, he's he has been helpful. You know, certainly more so than the fears. At the beginning of the playoffs, oh for sure. What's What's funny about it to me is like I still I I told you uh, we talked about it the other night. Like I, I was doing uh, ESPN Radio in 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 OC ahead of uh, Friday's game, and was asked the question like, "Who do you trust to be the third guy?" And I I didn't really know how to answer that question because let's say probably Rondo because he's been the most dependable. Um you know, since, since he got back on the floor and then, you know, just saying that out loud, I thought was weird because I certainly wouldn't have said it six weeks ago. And I think night tonight, you don't know exactly what it is, but, but by this point in the, in the playoffs, you can confidently say they'll get enough on most nights from some combination of whoever's available. And it'd be, it'd be great if it were more consistent and you could predict it better. But most of the time now, I think you can, yeah, I'm pretty confident they're going to get what they need 
from someone. You know what Caruso is going to, you know, Caruso is going to give you the energy defensively and might hit you a couple buckets, or whatever, you know, KCP is, but, but it, to me, like a lot of that with the supporting cast comes back to the fact that the defense is so good. Yeah. And then even when guys aren't playing well or they're not getting a lot of production as a group, the cohesiveness defensively allows them even to get through those stretches where they're not getting a ton of support um, from the supporting cast. And I do think it's highly significant. I'm, I would suspect you agree that they've made Kuzma as a third score, the necessity of Kuzma as a third score, kind of irrelevant at this point. It's a nice well, thing to have, but they've proven it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, it really helps when your two top scorers are averaging almost 60 points between them. Like, you know, that, that gives you a fair amount of flexibility and leeway in terms right. of, you know, the proverbial third guy. You know, I mean, LeBron and Anthony Davis are scoring so much and so efficiently. You know, they but they both shot over 50% from the field um, against Denver in the last series. I mean, they're, they're, they're both doing, you know, they're both scoring at such an efficient, just clean rate that the other guys are getting a lot of pressure taken off them. You know, you need them to be, somewhat reliable from out, you know, from outside, like they need to be shooting collectively at least 34%. You know, maybe I think it was, 30. was it Harrison Fagan, uh, who put out the stat on Twitter, you know, from forum, uh, you know, the, from forum blue and gold, silver I'm screen sorry, and roll, screen roll, um, that they are, they're undefeated when they shoot 30% from three. I didn't see if that, they, but I guess it's believable. 30% from three, they, are undefeated and just for people who may forget 30 percent from three is not good like that doesn't mean they have to be good no that's terrible actually that's really bad, bad. Um, very I, bad. I apologize to harrison if i'm getting the the stat wrong but it's something like that where they are overwhelmingly successful when they're just ordinary from three-point range and i look i, I guess bolster's a great coach and that's a great team and they're very good defensively but so I don't doubt that they could figure out ways to make life difficult for AD, for LeBron, slow them down in certain ways or whatever. But like the Lakers can do the same to their guys as well. They can make life harder for Jimmy Butler, make Duncan Robinson have to do things beyond what he normally does or make, make it hard for Tyler Hero, whatever it might be. It's the, 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 the Heat have to do it perfectly and somehow make it so they can have their peak offense and peak defense while limiting the Lakers and not losing anything, you know, by playing them, and I just that's a really difficult formula for any team, even one as well coached and well run and and well executed as Miami. Well, I mean, also too, Frank Vo Frank Vogel has been coaching his ass off in the playoffs and doing a really, really good job. Like you know, th this last series, that I, I think the way he went about using his big men and, you know, and changing the rotation a few times and the way he implemented certain guys. I mean, and we saw that against Houston when, you know, when he took Dwight and JaVale basically out of the lineup altogether, he, he's been really, really good. And, you know, Spolster is going to get the benefit of the doubt. And I think rightly in terms of that head to head, just because Spolster has won more, you know, he, this, he's been there more. He's, I think, accomplished more. But Vogel has really, I think, acquitted himself extremely well. You know, and what I think is real is is most impressive about it, Andy, is the way that 
the 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 stuff that he did in this series, and I think most of what made it it was impressive about it, is sort of that willingness to to change things as you go, as you've pointed out, to change things from a, a place of um, advantage where you're not doing it out of necessity, you're doing it, you know, you know, kind of proactively. I think you've made that point about a couple of things, but it it really is kind of the fulfilling of a season's worth of work in doing it that way to where you can get to the playoffs and say, you know what, Dwight's going to start the second half or, uh, you know, Mark, Markeith Morris is going to start this game or start a, start a hat, whatever it is, and have the machine still run in ways that are pretty effective. Obviously it, it is, it, you, it's hard. People talk about coaches making adjustments. You want to do this, but it's hard to make adjustments inside a series, like big ones, like, you know, change this lineup, do this, whatever it might be, play this guy or that guy. If you haven't spent the entire season kind of laying a foundation for it. And I think the way the Lakers have done things over the course of the year, the way they took advantage of that great start that they got that gave them so much flexibility to do these things, it's all paying off now. And Vogel and his staff deserve a ton of credit for that. Yeah, they, they've really, really been good. I mean, I, I've this is going to be the, this finals against Miami. It's going to be a great matchup in a lot of ways, but one of those ways I think is going to be the coaching matchup. What 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 are you intrigued by in, in terms of the actual matchups? I mean, because I I'm you know obviously LeBron versus Jimmy Butler. You know, I think we're going to see a lot. I, 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 what what Bam Adebayo looks like, and like I'm I I, I am again. The Lakers. I, I we'll get to predictions. I guess to the end. But the Lakers are the Lakers are ought to win this series. Um, I agree. And so, from that perspective, I think for the Lakers, it's how do we do what we do against you know we countering the things that Miami we think will throw at us because I don't think if you're the Lakers, you want to start changing things radically or adjusting. Make at the very least find out that Miami does stuff that you can't. Before you start, don't do what Dallas did against Golden State. You know, with the, that that okay. that eight ones thing. One question with that, though, really quick before we get into some other some other matchups that, right. that or sure. uh, storylines from this thing. What would you do with the starting lineup? And I guess, sort of broadly speaking, I'd go back to Javale. I mean, here's my. I will say this. I I think. The reason I think, I, the reason I ask is it really quickly isn't sure necessarily because of the way Javale's been playing. No, even though it's just, I, it is, I think I think it's smart to sort of just reset. I think it's smart okay. for them they, they, that they've been so effective with that starting lineup and whatever that I feel like you you benefit. And I realize Miami's a little smaller team. That's, too. that's what I'm getting right. at. Asking, um, I would start Javale and work accordingly from that. I feel like that's the also the cleanest template for them to understand what the the proper adjustment should be. If you start from a place where we're going to start Dwight or we're going to start Markeef, so many other things filter down from that in ways that they have less experience, not none at this point, but less experience with how it impacts the rotation. If you want to bring in a center, where does it come, this and that. Hey, this might actually be a good series for JaVale because of his mobility. Um, but also I just I feel like 
first of all, you see if my what Miami might have to do to adjust having you know to to what the Lakers can do with their centers. But that's the best starting point. Start from the place that you operate from as your standard, and then work from there. The Lakers have dropped opening games in series couple times in the playoffs already i don't think they're going to panic if they drop an opening game in this one as they feel out their opponent so i would start from your presumed place of the greatest comfort and the greatest experience which is the, the starting lineup they've used all season i don't see anything off the top that would make me say they should change it at the beginning well, the, the only reason I would think maybe you would change it from the beginning is just because I agree with you that JaVale's mo mobility maybe could be useful in this series, but he doesn't have a natural matchup at all. True. I mean, he, he really doesn't. And JaVale, JaVale doesn't provide enough issues, certainly not the way he's been playing by and large in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. He doesn't provide uh, enough issues on his own from, from his own presence that I think – him being out there puts Miami in a weird position. Like my, Miami, yeah, right. right. I don't, I don't see McGee as like in this in, incredibly impactful. Per, but the the biggest thing is, I just, I feel like, I, I feel like also too, what they've shown is the ability to adjust. I, I to some degree, I think the starting lineups are a little bit under. I mean, a lot of people are complaining. Why isn't Dwight playing more? This and that. you can, you can kind of deploy these guys in any pattern that you I want. agree I, I'm thinking so more about I, the I I don't I think to some degree I think it's a little bit it's 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 a I don't mean to dismiss your question I just think it's a little bit overrated um it's, but the but reason I, the reason I, I, just feel, I would start from the beginning I in okay. the beginning for the Lakers is play your lineup and 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 go from there Vogel has shown he is not shy about making a change when he thinks he needs to. You could start JaVale in game in game one and not see him start the second half. No, I, um, and, they, might, and they might do it that fast. Look, JaVale's going to be JaVale's going to be playing 12 minutes a game if he starts. I mean, it's going it's correct. going to be in some ways ceremonial. It's a, it's, the, a, it's about it's also about how you put how are you putting together the combinations that go on later so you have the six minutes of JaVale and then you know, working Dwight in or, you know, when you put Marquis in. So it, it's it's sort of like in baseball now where you see so you know, like the, the Rays are, you know, they, they start a guy who's technically speaking, he's the starting pitcher, but you know he's only going to throw two innings. No, I, I understand all that, but I'm just thinking about it. Given that, my, I mean, Miami's not Houston, but they are a relatively smaller team. Like right. they, they, they're not, they don't have a lot of, True big men, you know, or they—they they don't really even have a lot of stretch for. I mean, you know, like Kelly Olynyk, I get. You know, they've got, they've got a few guys, but they—they they don't have a lot. They don't have a lot of class. Or Daniel Tice, it would be a different. Right, step. exactly. So I—I'm think the reason I even think that it could be important at all, and and we'll see how much it it even matters, it, or that you would even look to address it now is just thinking about the rotation that you want to have. And the combinations that you want to have, and if you don't think there's a natural matchup for JaVale or maybe to a lesser degree Dwight, like how that affects what you would be doing and trying right. to maximize. I mean, look, I mean, tonight they played Bam. They played Bam. You know, 39 minutes as sort of a nominal power. You know, this is a power forward, quasi center, I guess. You know, what a you know three forwards and two guards. You know, it's like 
you know, and off the bench, they didn't even, it's not like they don't have any big guys to bring off the bench. You know, Linick didn't play tonight. He's not a traditional center anyway. Myers Leonard doesn't play anymore at all. That, that, um, again, that's he's, what I'm I getting. Think Leonard is the only center that they dress. Yeah. Um, like well, the no, they, I mean, center. yeah, uh, Haslam's not a true center. So, and, yes. And, you know, Linick isn't really. No. Uh, and so, I mean, look, I, I, I get what you're getting at. And you know, wonkier basketball people than me probably have a better explanation for it than I just I I feel like when you're the better team and the Lakers are, and you have the better players and the Lakers do, then you should do what you do and adjust accordingly rather than preemptively try to make changes before you see what it looks like against the other team. And fortunately, I think for them, this is it's been a storyline. Um, and it certainly was a big issue in, in the Denver series with what Dwight did against Jokic. But it's not hyper-consequential necessarily to what they do because they can be effective with the Morris and, you know, Morris-Davis lineup with Kuz playing next to Davis or whatever. They've shown they can be plenty effective doing it however they want. And so I, I, ju- I don't think it's an important enough thing to start preemptively making okay. Change. I, 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 I'm not saying you might be. You might be right, and they might come out on on Wednesday with Markeith Morris in the starting lineup. Um, but I, I, I would, I wouldn't. I would just, you know, for what it's worth, I would just start their lineup. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious what they do with Bam. Like, he's. You know, this is an opportunity, I think, for him to do a little bit like what Jamal Murray has done. Can you know, continue doing? Because that's what Adebayo has been doing all playoffs but really distinguish himself at moments against LeBron, distinguish himself at moments against Anthony Davis. Like he's yeah, I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see a lot of Bam versus AD over the course of whole games. Sure. Like, I'm not like, saying the primary matchup is not going to be there, but I'm saying there are going to be moments where he's on both of those guys because right. he is such a versatile defender. Right. But well, I was saying as opposed to like LeBron and Jimmy Butler are obviously going to be matched up against each other over the course of this series. But there are more ways on both sides to work around that, particularly with Miami, you know, because I, they're going to start with Jay Crowder on, on LeBron. I think so. And, you know, you've got Iguodala to put on him. Like you, you've got. You can't, ask, you can't ask Jimmy to do it on both ends. Right. The way they need him to for well, seven games. Right. You, you can't do that. Um, and LeBron, LeBron will guard Jimmy Butler at times, but, you know, they're going to try to see how much they can get away with KCP, with with Danny Green, with Markeith, with Kuz, you know, they're, they're going to be, you know, maybe somebody like Caruso who can just be a bit of an, you know, an undersized but effective, you know, get, get, some, get some steals, be disruptive, that sort of thing. But, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of BAM versus AD because both are so good and they're both the most natural cover for each other. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be really, really fun. That's going to be so much fun, and I think we're going to see a lot of it. Uh, yeah, I think that's going to be. I, I, I think what you know, Tyler Hero is a pro. I think a, a potential problem for the Lakers. Um, you know, Jimmy can be a problem. Like, this is a really good team. I, 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 you know, the Heat are really good, and I think I am perfectly of- confident that our white American uh, internet sensation Alex Caruso can shut down their white American internet sensation, Tyler Hero. Yeah. You heard it here first. That's possible. You heard uh, it here first. And he's going to be, look, he's going to be deeply involved in this series, Caruso, I mean. But, like, 
this you know, basketball observers have been pointing to Miami as a really good team for a lot of this season. Um, it, it is they were a a longer odds team to get where they are, but I don't think I think people I think people were surprised they rolled through Miami or they rolled through Milwaukee in five games. But I don't think people are shocked that they're in the finals. This isn't like some you know team that hadn't shown anything all year. They got a lot of good players and they're really well coached. And I think the way now you start to see like Hero playing at an at, a, at an elevated level and Adebayo like growing and stuff like they, they're Duncan just Robinson playing name. really well. Yeah, they're just not household names, but that doesn't mean that they're not really good and haven't been good all year because the Heat really have been. Um, and so. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think this is an easy series. And I we've talked to how many different people on the late night happy are we? And every time we talk, we, hey, who do you think is a tougher matchup? The Heat of the Celtics or which team in the West or the East once uh, Milwaukee was out? Who's the tough and everybody points to Miami, like yeah, and, and some of the, the matchup problems and the coaching. You know, we, all we, of haven't even, we haven't even mentioned Goran Dragic, who's been Correct. terrific. He's it's been great, it's really, a really really good team. Um, question for you. Well, hold on. I was just gonna say, like, and like most of the teams the Lakers play, three through like Miami's third through fifth best players are probably a little bit better than the Lakers' third through fifth best players. But the problem is for Miami that the one and two, as good as Bam and Jimmy Butler are, aren't as good as AD and LeBron. And so yep. that makes up for a lot of that gap. And the rest of the Lakers is, are so cohesive together. Um, and the defense is so good. That I think it mitigates the the better depth. You know that Goran Dragic is a better third player, or you know, or Hero is better as a third player than Kuz or Alex Caruso or whatever. A lot of storylines in this. Let me ask you one question: Who do you think this series is more personal for, LeBron or Pat Riley? Oof. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you he think Riley in his has Riley ever admitted to handling LeBron's departure back to Cleveland poorly? Never said anything about that, like you know, challenging him to leave and all the like, questioning his manhood and all that bullshit that he did. It's one of the few times you could see Pat Riley kind of genuinely misplay something. I don't remember off the top of my head. But even if he had acknowledged that he could have, you know, played that exit interview better, you know, he could have, you know, basically not, you know, dared LeBron to leave without even right. thinking like, oh, my God, he might actually leave. That being said, even if he has acknowledged that, I guarantee Riley is still upset over it, still feels yeah, I mean, slighted I, I by it because he carries it, all that it, stuff. It's, a, it's an even better question if there wasn't the Cleveland stint in between. The fact that he went back to Cleveland and there's been another season with the Lakers, I think enough time has passed. But these are both guys with long ass memories. I mean, Le yeah. LeBron has been carrying this. But do they, Washington but do, I mean, maybe this is something maybe I should know. Like, do they have a bad relationship? I don't know if they have a. I don't know. Like, I literally don't know if they. I mean, have yeah, I mean, I don't currently, know. I don't know if they currently have a bad relationship. I have never heard that they are close. And again, they are both guys with long-ass memories who it does not take much to make either feel slighted. Both are you know, two of the most psychopathically competitive people 
on the planet. I mean, like LeBron has been using this wash okay, king okay, bullshit me, all year. Let me answer this way before I, I think Pat Riley would find it perhaps more gratifying to beat LeBron than LeBron, particularly with a weaker team, you know, but I, I think Riley might find it more gratifying to beat LeBron than LeBron would find it gratifying at this point to beat Riley. Maybe, maybe, maybe. that might be the only way I can answer it. I mean, it's a good question. I, I I don't know. It's a really good question, and um, I I don't I don't know if Pat's going to get a vote. I, I just, mean, he, I, he's eventually LeBron said is, the way LeBron is dialed in, the way Davis is dialed in. I just don't see how this gets away I if mean, everybody's healthy. I, I'm reading right now. Uh, I, I did uh, just a Google search of LeBron Pat Riley relationship and. I guess he he told uh, Ian Thompson um, for a book that he wrote that LeBron did the right thing upon leaving. You know, like he, I, I guess he is at peace with the idea that LeBron left. But that being said, they were really, really convinced he was coming back. And you know, he he had said, like uh, I'm reading a quote from Riley that. Uh, you know, it's it was my fault. It's on me. Yeah, I, I saw a dynasty fly out the window. I knew that was a 10-year team. I wanted that dynasty. Right. I was going to say, he might, Riley might be able to accept the idea that he made some mistakes or whatever, but I don't know if, I, I just, I, I have a hard time imagining Riley being totally over it. And I, I have a hard time imagining LeBron being totally over the way oh, Riley yeah, portrayed him. If you're asking me if both guys would find it satisfying to beat the other, and I'm sure they have a ton of respect for each other, even if they don't even like each other, you they're smart enough to be able to respect who these, you know, who who they are in this world. They both enjoy beating the other one. Yes. That that much I think is is 100 percent certain. I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, um, it's a really good question. Either one of them that, you know, I think say right now. But it's, I, I, it would be a different question if it wasn't, you know, if it was 2018 right now or sure. 2017 as opposed to 2020. Sure. Um, good but it's question. still fun to think about, though. Oh, for sure. Still a lot of fun um, to think about. All right. So game one is Wednesday, game two, Friday. Um, by the time we record another podcast, because that means game three is Sunday. So we'll probably do, I guess, probably do a live show Sunday night next week. Um, following game three as the podcast. What do you think? Uh, what is this series? Is uh, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're going to try to make, we're going to try if we can to talk with somebody who covers Miami. We'll see, uh, yeah, we'll see, we can, see if we can yeah, do something yeah, like but, that. But you, your, your early, uh, not so early, I guess now prediction, everybody's got to make their prediction now. Finals. Lake, in Lakers in seven. Lakers in seven. Lakers in seven. I, I think this is going to be a really evenly matched series i will see i think it's going to be lakers but i think i'm going lakers in seven i'm going to say lakers in six it's been my okay. prediction for every <laughs> so far every uh every series uh, to this point and i have been off by the same amount in every series and i'm going to stick with it okay um i i will say this Based on how well Miami is playing, and they've got some vulnerabilities, and we didn't get into them. You know, you know, look, there's an ESPN story that talks about sort of Miami's offensive troubles that have, that pop up periodically and and all that stuff. 
Um, they're kicking the hell out of people in the playoffs. They beat three really good teams. I mean, you could argue they've beaten three better teams than the Lakers have. I mean, I, I would Indiana argue they have. Team that was really good, but they Indiana had some. Had some injuries, they had some injuries, whatever, injuries and that made that the Indiana team that the that the Heat beat and swept was not the Indiana team that went through the regular season. No, but by and large, I would say their competition's been better than yeah. Lakers. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, you know, Denver, Denver might be a little better than Boston. I don't. I mean, I, I have a ton of respect, no, but but on balance, but, sure, on balance, and they beat Milwaukee in five. Yeah, on so, balance, Miami's beaten better yeah, teams. I, I don't. Fair. This might be the first one where like all the other ones I'm like, well, you know, if I had to pick five or so you pick six and you're like, okay, well, what if you had to, what, which, which direction, five or seven, first round, definitely Lakers you know, over Portland in five. Second round, I would have said Lakers over Houston in five. Even in, in the third round, I would have said five before seven with Houston, with uh, Denver. This one is a little bit harder only because Miami is playing so well and they're, they're not out of gas in the way that Denver was going to run out of gas, I think, at some point. Um, I'll still say six, but I, 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 I don't see any reason for this to be a, another walkover. I'm like, I, you know, the Lakers going to lose a game or two, a couple games in the series, and it wouldn't shock me if it went seven. That's for if sure. It, I would be actually quite surprised if it was Lakers in five. I would be really, really surprised by that. Yeah, I could see that. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Um, these yeah. are two teams that are really difficult to root against. And I think even Lakers fans can look at, at Miami with a ton of respect for how quickly they've come together. For what Jimmy did you read the Malika Andrews story about the the uh, the competing the the I've got I've got a bookmark I, I've it's, got a bookmark I haven't read it yet. Hysterical, and it makes you love Jimmy Butler that much more. Um, you know what they what's happened to Hero and. You know, Adebayo is an incredibly likable player. Um, and it's just almost impossible not to appreciate how both how good he is, but also the 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 work ethic and and everything that goes on to being you know as good as he is. And you know, Laker fans obviously still have a lot of fondness for Riley. And you, you, I don't know how you don't respect Spo and all of this stuff. Like, I got no reason to hate these guys. It should be a fun series. I'm I'm kind of excited that it ended this way. I mean. I know Lakers fans went and wanted the Clippers and then the Celtics and like the ultimate run through. This is pretty good. This is a I pretty agree. good way to finish it. I agree. I think this should be really, really fun. I'm looking forward to it. All right. So we'll try to come back with a with a preview podcast if we can. We'll see what we can get a hold of with uh, with Miami between now and um, and the tip on Wednesday. Um, Wednesday night on the late night happy hour, we'll be doing basketball. Um and we'll get some basketball in there for sure on Friday night show too. So uh, lots with the late night happy hour, 10 to 11 p.m. Pacific every night during the week. Um, you know, tons of finals coverage there. Uh, we'll do a lot of finals next week, obviously on the on the show. We'll just this gonna be a lot of finals. Just keep tuning into all our stuff. Uh, we'll see everybody next time. Thanks. Delicious pizza, twenty oh, percent right. yeah. off. Pizza. Yeah, with the password Cam Brothers, two locations. West Adams and Hollywood. Again, support local business, support the local business of a huge, huge Lakers fan. Delicious pizza. All right. See everybody next week.